so we sin. We deserve death. We deserve a punishment. We, we commit a crime. We deserve to be punished. We feel like we have no hope. We have dead hope. So hope that's dead really isn't hope at all. But we sing about a living hope. Do you know the difference between a living hope and a dead hope? <laughs> Pretty much everything else but Christ is a dead hope. Your spouse, dead hope. Sorry. She can hit me later. But I'm just as much. Our neighbors, our government, a dead hope. But where do we look for hope? Where's the first place we look for hope in our lives? It's, it's where we should. But unfortunately, many of us don't. When, when the bill comes that's huge, what's our first thought? We look at our checkbook. We don't have enough. So all of a sudden, our hope becomes in the finances to be able to pay that bill instead of having a hope that's greater than those stupid bills, that's greater than the obstacles that come to our lives. When I moved out of my parents' house, I created a space for myself. It was my apartment. And I had like stuff like all over the walls, not like poster stuff, but like, like I would print out like sayings and put them on the walls. Like I had all kinds of sayings like all over the place. And I created that space, but that space was meant for me. And then when Jennifer and I got married, we created a space for us. And then when we had, we, we created that space for our family. That was our space. No one else got to dictate what that space is. That's why we don't live in a gated community because we don't want to live under an HOA. We don't want them to tell us what we have to do. This is our space. You see, the same is true for each one of us. In life, whether it's for ourselves or it's for our families, we create a space that's ours. But what do you want in your space? You want the best things that you can afford, right? You want the best for you. That doesn't mean your best looks the same as your neighbor's. It doesn't mean that your best is the same as other people in your family. But it's yours, and you create that space for you. We create an environment. It's our stamp of life. It says something about us. And then we also create a culture within that space. The safety and security it's going to be at different levels for different homes. But you also create beauty. 
right? You, you don't want ugly stuff in your house, right? You, you want things that are beautiful, that, that show life. The first thing that re- represents life and beauty is your family, that family unit, your, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, those things that, that say, this is beautiful. This is what life is about. And everything centers around what makes life beautiful. In our space, there's freedom. But even within freedom, there are boundaries. There are boundaries. Why do we put up doors in our home? We're we're creating boundaries. We're, We're creating individual spaces within the family dynamic space. You see, our spaces that we create tell a story. Some of us put our story on the walls with the pictures of how the kids have grown over the years or, or the wedding pictures or the pictures of our grandkids. We put all of those things on the walls and they tell a story. I don't know about you, but my walls tell a story. If you go down my hallway, you see these little scuff marks down the hallway and those aren't from kids Those are from us throwing the tennis ball for the dog down the hallway. It tells a story of our family. You see, God did the same thing. He created a space for family. So we first look at at Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 4. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. And when they were created, when the Lord God made the heaven and the earth, sorry, the earth and the heavens. Verse 5, it says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we see that God created a space. And he put this this living man in that space to be with him. God was there with him. God wasn't separate. God was there in the Garden of Eden with Adam. Then he goes on to verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. Even in freedom, there are 
responsibilities. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, good, and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. In freedom, there are boundaries. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable So Adam goes through and he names all of the animals. And there's no animal that he names that was suitable for him. And so God realizes none of these animals are going to work. I need something that's like Adam. And so in verse 20, the second part of verse 20 says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, for she was taken out of. to Eve. So it was, whoa, man. So it just, he just put it together and was like, woman. So there it came. And then verse 5, I don't think I have it up there, and that's great. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. That's important. They were both naked, and they felt no shame. God creates this space for them, and it's perfect. There, there is no sin. There is no evil in this place. We'll get to that next week. So we have this perfect place. We have this beautiful garden, number one. Garden number one. Beautiful garden. How life was meant to be lived with God, in harmony with God. It says that they were naked and felt no shame. You see, I think that's important, not just because of their nakedness, but the fact that they felt no shame. You, you see, for many people today, we can't wear clothes and not feel shame. We have our clothes on, but we have, there's a shame that we carry because we don't look right. We have to go on a diet before we go on spring break or on summer vacation so that when we're on the beach, we look a certain way because we don't want to have shame because we can't shame and have fun. But it says that they were naked, not just naked in the sense of I'm naked, I have no clothes on, but naked in the fact that God fully knew them. God knew them inside and out. They knew each other. They knew 
because they lived in harmony with each other. Everything they did was about their relationship, was about their family. And God says, all of this, all of this beauty that I have created is yours. And you're free. But there's a boundary. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is yours. Just that one thing is the boundary. Stay away from it. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Stay away from it. Next week, we'll talk about the middle part. But today, we're just talking about the gardens. Because you see, what we don't realize is that right now, we're living in between the gardens. You see, because Genesis tells us about this beautiful garden that God created for humans to live in harmony with him. But in Revelation, we read about another garden that is to come. So in Revelation 21, starting in verse 1, going through 1 through 5, John is recording this prophecy that Jesus is giving him. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. They said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Every time I read that, I get goosebumps. Because what he's describing is the second garden. You see, all of life, from the moment that sin began to be in humanity, God's purpose was to get us back to the garden. Notice that it says in verse 3, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them. When is the last time God physically has dwelled with the people? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. But if we go back even farther, the last time God dwelled with us was in the Garden of Eden. You see, what we don't realize about the Garden of Eden is that there were no tears because there wasn't any suffering. 
There wasn't any pain. There wasn't any heartache. All things in the garden were good. Can you imagine a time right now where there are no tears, there's no mourning, there's no death, there's no crying, there's no pain? Can you think of a time in your life where that's been reality for you? And then a chapter later, Revelation 22, 1 through 5. This is what it says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great city, of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are the healing are for the healing of the nations no longer will there be any curse the throne of god and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads there will be no more night and there will not there will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Yes. Ching check. Perfect timing. Verse 3, there will no longer be any curse. What is the curse? Sin. Genesis 3, God tells them before he kicks them out of the Garden of Eden, you are now under a curse. And that curse will be with humanity for all humanity's existence. Unless you have a living hope. A living hope. Not a dead hope but a living hope that gives you reason and purpose to live. Why do people commit suicide? Because they have no hope. They have no reason to live. You see, I believe that the body of Christ is to help people see that there's a reason to live. That there's a reason to have life, to love each other. The perfect picture of love is in God. There was no delay in the fact of sin entered the world and separates us from God. The moment that happens, God puts into motion a plan to get us back. To that relationship. It wasn't his first thought. It was not about himself. It was about his creation. It was about the people that he created to be with him. To be in a relationship with him. 
What does your space reflect? You see, because I believe that in, within each space that we create, there's that space that we want. That, that this is God's space. But within that space, there's also that place we don't want to be there. There's that sin part of us. Do you ever do something and, and feel sick about it, that you did it? Like, late after you've done it, you just feel sick about it. You might have the thought of, I can't believe I did that. But yet it happened within your space. Somebody from the outside didn't come in and violate that space. You did it. You see, that's our sin. That's our sin that causes the destruction of our space. You see, when we create the church, we create a space that we want to be safe. That we want people, anybody, to come in and be comfortable and be welcome. And, and we want to create that space for all of us. But yet, at the same time, we are the people who violate that space. Why? Because we're living between the gardens. And we don't understand fully what it means to live with hope. Because if we lived with hope, we wouldn't allow ourselves to destroy our space. Because who destroyed the Garden of Eden? Who destroyed it? Was it Satan? We did. Exactly. We did. Adam and Eve destroyed their space that was meant for them to be sacred, to be holy, to be with God. They destroyed it. But the first thing they did was feel shame. We'll talk about it more next week, but they hid. They hid. Because they finally saw themselves for what sin did to them. You see, when you look at yourself and you feel shame, that's not because of the beauty that God gives you. That's not because of the beauty of, of how God created you. It's because of our sin that makes us feel shame. It's because of the sin of others that allow ourselves to feel the shame that we think we have to live up to this certain standard with our looks, with our lifestyle, with, with the car that we have, with, with the, the vehicles that we drive. And I think about when I was in high school, 
I had a used car. I, 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 I didn't even know until I was, I think it was last year, how much my dad actually made. And I didn't know he made that much. He kept it a secret pretty darn good. And I didn't realize that at the time he had the money to buy me the best car on the market. He didn't buy me the best car on the market. He bought me the car that we had to put in the shop every month because something else broke on it. But guess how I learned how to fix a vehicle? By having the piece of junk that didn't run all that great. But you know what car I wanted? I wanted the best one. Why? Because all of the other kids getting their license were driving some pretty nice cars. Now, to my ch children's detriment, they, they will realize that they're not getting the best car. Um, because even though I have girls, they're going to know how to change a tire. They're going to know how to fix the minor things on a vehicle. You know why I learned how to fix those minor things on a vehicle? Because I'm cheap and I don't want to pay for those things to another person that I can fix myself. But we have these spaces and we want the best. But sometimes the best that we want is not the best that God wants for us. You know, some of the best learning that I've had in my life is when I had to work for it. In my freedom, I had boundaries. I had, I had to work for things. I've had to work at being a good husband. I had to work at being a good father. And I, when I say I had to work, I don't mean that I'm done working because I've got plenty of work to do. But we won't be good followers of Christ without putting in work because that's part of the boundaries. That's part of growing. That's part of making my space for my family, our space. And you know, sometimes our space doesn't look the way that we want it to. If you come to my house and, and you look at my fence, um, we've had the same um, fence, uh, privacy fence. Um, I say privacy fence, but it's not all that private because the back part of the fence um, doesn't have the extra slat. You know, the, they have the slats on this side. And the other side supposed to have the opposite slat, you know, so you can't. So, no, we just have one. For some reason, they didn't put the other one. And so we could, I mean, we see our neighbors as plain as day. It drives me nuts. I don't care about seeing my neighbors. I care about my dog seeing my neighbor's dog because they just go nuts. We're waiting for a fence to just kind of... So not only do we have this old crappy looking fence, but we've got chain link fence on the inside and not the good chain link fence. The chain link fence that I found like sitting along the road or at my brother-in-law's house or at my dad's house. And so we have pieces here and there. And so this is the trashiest looking fence 
that you can think of. Every year, the ground gets hard and pushes that concrete up. And it's like, I mean, stick it up like this far. I'm like, would this stinking fence just fall over so I have to fix it already? But I'm not fixing that dumb thing until it falls over. Why? Because the fence I don't care about. Because I care about what's inside the house. I care about the family inside the house. I care about our space. And I'm going to protect whatever comes in that space. But see, part of that protection is me living into the relationship that God wants to have with me. It's Jennifer living into the relationship that God wants to have with her. It's my kids doing the same. But do my kids even know what that looks like and how to have that kind of relationship? But it's our job to teach them so that they could grow up and, and teach their families how to have that safe place that's for God. You know, the thing I think we as, as parents, as grandparents, need to ask ourselves, when our kids leave the house, will they have the tools to live for Jesus? Notice I did not say, will they choose to live for Jesus? Because all we can do is raise them the way they should go. That's what Deuteronomy says, that we should teach our children the way they should go. It's our job to do that as parents, as grandparents. But when they leave, will they have the tools to live for Jesus? That is what we can control. Will they have the tools to create that space for themselves and for their spouse and then for their family. That's our goal as adults. What did God do when he put them in the garden? He told them what they could and couldn't do. He told them what they needed to do to continue to have that relationship. He defined, these are the boundaries. You want a good relationship with me? You want to live in harmony with me? You do these things, you don't do these. Think about it. Sometimes you got to go into the garden and rip out the weeds. We'll talk about that next week. Stand with me. If you would, just reach out your hands and receive this blessing. Jesus, I thank you for the garden. I thank you for the spaces that we have that are ours. And God, I pray that you will help us to create that space, not apart from you, but with you. So that it can be our space where you're the center and you're glorified and you're honored by how we live life. 
God, may this space be a place that honors you. May this place be a place that is lifted up, not for us, not for our community so it can look the best and be the best, but may it be a place that says this is our space where we will honor the creator, the God of the universe, that we will honor our creator. God, help us to live with the purpose that has a living hope of returning to the garden with you. Amen.